G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. I began to lose the capacity to speak and I became mute. I mean, I could hear, but I couldn't even say anything that had three letters, G, L and B in particular. Gavin Lee Bolch is my name. So when another child in the street would say, oh, hey, what's your name? Want to come play with us? I couldn't say my name. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, Gavin Bolch had his childhood stolen from him when he was seven years old. However, after a long road to healing and putting his faith in the Lord, God restored his childhood as an adult through a renewed awareness of creativity and imagination. This eventually manifested itself in helping others to tell their story through film and other visual means. We'll hear how this all came together as Gavin shares his story with us today. And parents, before we get started, I just want to mention that due to the adult themes that will be discussed relating to sexual abuse, today's program is not appropriate for young listeners. Gavin Bolch is chatting with Eric Scadabo in our Melbourne studios. Gavin Bolch, welcome to the program. Well, thank you so much, Eric. I know the last time we met was 15 years ago. Yeah, it's been a while, hasn't it? That's right, but neither of us have aged. You need to know that. Exactly, and that's the beauty of radio. Nobody knows that we're lying. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So, um, childhood, what a wonderful time and possibilities that that exist in that. Uh, I'm a Western Suburbs boy in the state of Victoria, in Melbourne. And, uh, Footscray. Footscray was mm-hmm. the place, a bit like Collingwood, just working class, mm-hmm. uh, just working parents. My dad would be off to work before I got up and home after I went to bed, probably, in fact was. Um, I'm not that well. They weren't Christians, but they loved me dearly. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes I would find myself in the first few years uh, with an auntie or uncle or, or whatever because mum wasn't well. Uh, she had a bit of a breakdown at my um birth. I was really very prim, one of the first children to be put in a human crib for a long period of time. Um, in fact, uh, I'm on record at the Royal Women's Hospital. The history is that uh, um, there were some tests done. Children would go blind in human cribs. Oh. And I didn't go blind. So this is, what, 50s? Uh, yeah, uh, 40s. 40s? Yeah, okay. 1946. And um, the test was done because we were such a poor family uh, we couldn't afford the oxygen mm. that helps oh, wow. prem childs develop. But what nobody knew was too much oxygen, the child will go blind. So the other five children in Humi Cribs near me who had the oxygen from wealthier parents were blind and I wasn't. Why was that? Is that right? It's true. I'm down as that person. I think it was Dr. Kate Campbell made the discovery that this is what was happening because mm. this child wasn't blind and the others were. And so let me just see if I'm understanding this. So because you didn't have oxygen. Yes, too much. You didn't get what would have caused you to go blind. Blind, yes. Oh, wow. So that, that was an interesting moment. And as I look back on that as part of my life, um, maybe I was granted life mm. in, in, its, in its fullness, although there was a point where the fullness uh, was taken away. Mm. So what you're saying is that 
even before you were born, God was looking out for you, or that's how you feel. Oh, certainly, it's it's the understanding that has mm-hmm. uh, increasingly helped me um, express gratitude mm-hmm. to um, the Godhead, the Trinity, um, God the Father, God the mm-hmm. Son, mm-hmm. God the Holy Spirit. But of course, as a child, you're thinking as a child, not, oh, yeah. not in these other ways. Yeah. Now, speaking of vision, you have dyslexia. Yes. So that's something that's obviously been with you your whole life? <laughs> yes, it has, which probably has some um, sensitized, actually, to be aware, I had difficulty in reading. In fact, it took me 20 years to finish my Bachelor of Arts. And uh, so I absorb uh, information mm. by listening and, and by seeing, not so much by writing or, or talking. Mm-hmm. Well, that's changed a little bit. Now, this is something I didn't know. When I first met you, I saw you and you have blue glasses. Correct. And I knew you were involved in film. So I'm thinking, oh, maybe this is just kind of the thing that Hollywood types do. They wear blue, cool glasses. But Uh, how is that related to your dyslexia, the the blue glasses? Yes, well... It's not a fashion statement. Yeah, well, the reason it took me so long to finish my studies was I had so much pain in reading large amounts. The, The letters and words would move around on a page. Oh, is that right? But then... My primary school teacher said that um, reading is difficult. Well, I assumed that was the difficulty that everybody had. But it did slow down when I got my assignments in, and I was always seeking extension, long extensions of time. People knew that the end result was good, hence I finally got my degree. And the blue glasses? Well, um, at one stage, I was um, doing some consulting work with the World Bank, and I was given documents to read, and I realised... I had to get it done in a certain time, and I couldn't do it. And I thought, what's wrong with me? The word dyslexia came into mind. I phoned up the Australian Dyslexic Association. I said, I think I'm going crazy. I need to do some paperwork, but I'm overwhelmed, absolutely overwhelmed by it. And they gave me a 40-question test, and they said, come and see us. So the next day I went in, and they had a very simple system by which they laid um, theatre gels, that is, you know, the spotlights and that in theatres, mm-hmm. from a clear right through to indigo violet. So you've got your yellow, uh, red, blue, green, indigo violet. And um, when they put this particular blue tint over a page of lettering, it stopped moving. Oh. And um, it's called Irene process. And so... It helps most children. In fact, research has shown that a lot of um, Aboriginal children who aren't showing much attention in school, when they give the tests, then there's something which helps the lettering and the numbers settle. Yeah, so that really helped you. That's that's fascinating. Mm. So you discovered this as an adult. Uh, Yes, I did. Um, About how old were you? I would have been... uh, About 60... Oh, 60, when you started to wear the blue glasses. Mm -hmm. And that keeps things from moving around. Yeah. Oh, wow, fascinating. So I can read pretty well, but not large amounts. Okay, so some challenges, but a generally happy childhood. Yes, until... Growing up, until... Until. Um, Being a working-class family, mum and dad had two bungalows in the backyard, that's what we'd call them, little single rooms, Mm -hmm. for bed and breakfast, men who were itinerant workers somewhere. And so we had two males in the backyard who'd pay a a pound a a week or something. So this is in the 1950s? Yes, yes, late 40s, well, through the the late 40s, I was born in 46. And um, a word that... They were, that I didn't come to know for many, many, many years, they were pedophiles, but mm. I didn't know that. Um, 
but uh, they groomed me, let's say. My parents didn't know either because I didn't know what was happening to me. I didn't know why, what was happening to me. But uh, that lasted for five years to the point where I began to lose the capacity to speak and I became mute. I mean, I could hear, but I couldn't even say anything that had three letters, G, L and B in particular. Gavin Lee Bolch is my name. So when, when another child in the street would say, oh, hey, what's your name? You want to come play with us? I couldn't say my name, so I didn't play well. Wow. So what did your parents think was going on? Well, they really didn't have a lot of research going on. Children, particularly if you're a working-class family, you didn't really rush off to a, um, a specialist in speech, whatever, mm-hmm. or they couldn't afford it, so they didn't do it. They just, I just gradually lost that capacity to talk. What about your teachers? Um, well, I wasn't consistently in school because mum would not be well and I'd be handed over to an auntie or uncle who were on farms or, or, or in rural areas like Ballarat or Kyneton or um, Hamilton or wherever and sometimes I'd spend um, half a school year at a school somewhere else. So there was that brokenness mm. when I was really preschool. Um, I'd have a little piece of string with a, a baggage label, a bit, bit like... Um, Lion Witch in the Wardrobe, when the uh, children in Britain during the Second World War were, were sent off to the country with a little name, tag, oh, okay. that sort of thing. And I'd be put on a train at Footscray Station. It would chuff chuff to Kyneton and there'd be an auntie or uncle waiting there to look after me. So it was sort of broken in that sense. That got me away from this pedophilia in a sense. But, of course, that didn't start till I was more settled at home. Uh, so from the age of 7 to 12, that was very consistent mm. abuse. And then what happened? Well, interesting, there were other Christians, of course, living in the street, in Moore Street in Footscray, and um, one couple just knocked on the parents' door and said, um, oh, can we take Gavin to the MCG? Well, looking back on things, Dad must have thought it was a cricket match. <laughs> but, the, uh, but it wasn't. But it wasn't, but the person who bowled everybody over was a guy called... Uh, Billy Graham, mm-hmm. an evangelist. Yep. So who's Billy? I don't know. What's an evangelist? I don't know. What do people in white, why are they singing these songs? I don't know. Did so he? you had no Christian background no. up to that point? No. No spiritual no. influence? No. And uh, suddenly you're at the MCG yeah. at this big Billy Graham crusade. Yeah. Okay, just, you know, it's, it's all different and fascinating. Yeah. Didn't really understand what Billy said except for an interesting sentence. Jesus was a friend of sinners. Now, as a child, what didn't I have? Friends. Sinner? I don't know what that is, but I was always washing my hands. Hmm. Um, But in this particular moment, um, when this call to come forward and embrace this person, Jesus, could he be my only friend? So I walked forward, went down. Wow, just because the idea of having a friend? Yes, Wow. It, it was that powerful and, that, and that simple. That, that, that's what was used. Mm-hmm. That's how God in his wisdom uh, responded to this child mm-hmm. who didn't understand anything else that was said, mm-hmm. uh, that there was no context, no theological forming, formation of any kind. So I went forward and, um, of course, those who were approaching the people there, they'd, they'd have their decision card as we came to know it, and uh, every one of them came up and said, oh, and what's your name? Well, I couldn't give it. Mm. I couldn't say it. Yeah. And they'd walk away. And I was the last person, I was a kid, 
well, I was uh, about to become a teenager, I'm 12, yeah. and um, a woman comes up and she says, would you write your name down? Ah, she so must she have been watching. She had this insight. Mm-hmm. I wrote it down. Uh, then the, the Billy Graham Association sent me material and I received a Bible, which was um, the, the New English Bible. So th- there was my first book. Um, Did you, know, you pray with somebody when uh, you went forward? Yeah, well, someone really prayed for me because I couldn't get the words out. Yeah. I, I didn't know what I was saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they were aware that here's my name, so they knew my name, I wrote it down, and they asked Jesus to, to be with this me, this Gavin, mm-hmm. and um, that was it. I found my way back to the folks who had driven me there, and I went back to Footscray, and uh, walking down the, 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 the laneway, um, towards the back of the house, we had an outhouse, not an inside toilet, outside toilet. And, of course, the bungalows were near that. And the two gentlemen approached me, of course. The pedophiles. The pedophiles. And for the first time I spoke, and I heard myself say something, and the construct of the sentence wasn't a child's. Mm-hmm. So what was it? But this was the construct. I looked at them, and I said, you cannot touch me anymore. I am clean. And my ears rang to the point that I haven't spoken till now. Oh, these were your first words. These were the first words for maybe a year. Wow. And like I'd filled out the decision card having Mm -hmm. not even been able to give my name. And yet Mm -hmm. I'm speaking with adult words to these, these, these two perpetrators. With authority. And they looked at each other and then they said, oh, we need to see your parents, which I didn't know why that was. And they went in and they simply said, we've had a work change and we need to catch a bus tonight to get to our new work assignment tomorrow. They left my life because of that sentence. Wow. Now, now they're probably thinking, wait a second, if he can't speak... They're yeah. safe to yeah. do what yeah. they're doing. Yeah. And now but he's now speaking. He speak. and, and he, he uses and, a sentence yeah. which was an adult-type sentence, mm-hmm. you know, the yeah. construct. And yeah. I, I've never forgotten that because as a child, I thought as a child, and I never thought that sort of a sentence... You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with Gavin Bolch, who's sharing his life journey with us. We'll hear more of Gavin's story when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401-132-888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. Our guest today is Gavin Bolch, who's sharing his life journey. Before the break, we heard how he became a Christian after being invited to a Billy Graham crusade in the 1950s. We also heard how he finally found his voice after he had been abused for several years. Now we'll hear what happened next in his life as he begins to grow in his faith. And coming to Christ, um, these, this couple called into the house, took me to their church. And what was interesting, the, he was an older minister. He said, um, he said, I don't waste time between decision-making and baptism. So he, he shared a few things about Jesus' obedience. And I was baptized within a week. 
and when the next week it was the church uh, where up on the platform you would have the, the preacher or minister and uh, three other adults. One would read the Old Testament, one the New Testament, and one would preside over the communion table. And um, there I was with a King James Bible reading two weeks after I'd come to faith. Wow. And I stood oh, there. Fast. Well, what and, was interesting. And were you able to read? Well, no. I stood there mute, just going, uh, 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 the words wouldn't come out. And mm. behind me, I, I, I found out months later, the other two who were, who were there, the, 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 the one presiding over the communion table and the one doing uh, the New Testament, I had the old, by the way, um, were standing up to take my place. You know, They were concerned that this mm-hmm. young person, probably too young in their opinion, to be up there reading the Bible. And he would caution them to sit down and wait. Oh, and whatever period of time that was, which seemed like eternity to me, finally the words came out, and I read from this Old Testament passage very slowly mm-hmm. because the words were what Moving they were. Moving on the page and King James—that's that, another something. Oh yeah, yeah. But I did manage, uh, with difficulty, to finish the passages or the verses that were necessary. Oh, there's so, so many this, questions that are coming to my mind here. Well, ask. Oh. Let's, let's see where it helps me go. <laughs> well, first of all, did you have any understanding of what Jesus died for my sins? I mean, you initially you didn't know. By this time, it, did you have a basic understanding? Within, yes, within two weeks, I knew the friend was real, and I had a book, which was the Bible, mm-hmm. and it was in how did you English, know? Wasn't King James? Jesus was real. The knowing was what began to happen. Uh, one, I spoke for the first time. Okay. Yeah. Right? Uh, well, prior to that, someone responded to me who couldn't say my name, right, in, in, as I went forward to make this decision. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, that started a process mm-hmm. which took two weeks. So, I speak to pedophiles, staggered, totally surprised at what came out. My ears heard me say something that was just not a sentence. I'd, so, I'd things thought. unprecedented. Yes, are happening in your life for for this young life, mm-hmm. and then um, to be baptized. That was explained, okay. And I had a book. Now, what was interesting, and I'm looking back now, mm-hmm. I'm uh, 76 this year, is that I had no theological construct. I had a book, and a person was in that book, and the story. See, the stories were interesting. David and Clyde, you know, I eventually read that book. And I wasn't questioning, do I believe this or don't I believe it? I just fell in love with the personification of the person being trustworthy. This was Jesus. And the stories made sense. Mm-hmm. In fact, if I can come up to modern times with, with film and so forth, there's a thing called a story arc. And it's actually based on, like going back in early days of Hollywood, they made the Ten Commandments and all the great classics. Mm-hmm. And... Um, that the story arc was the biblical one, which most studios in Hollywood follow, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's a standard procedure. So there's the person from the, the ordinary world, an ordinary person. I've told you a bit about my ordinary start to mm-hmm. life. Yeah. Ordinary people going through and uh, they have challenges and they fail at some challenges mm-hmm. and, and then um, uh, s- someone comes alongside them and helps them, a mentor, and then uh, they begin to succeed but then double jeopardy kicks in and that they fail and then it even says when you go and study film there's a resurrection moment now there's a strange word uh, the secular 
movie making books yes, yeah, it, use the term a resurrection moment. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay, and uh, so the person overcomes this this past, this issue, this challenge, and there is victory and a resurrection or a newness to their life mm-hmm. or, or a, a change in attitude and views. And this is basically what happened to you. Well, yes, yes, but of course, um, I didn't understand what a story arc was, but yeah. I realised because I read these stories. And then when I came from an education point of view, realized, oh, it's actually a biblical view of how to tell a story. Okay, well, we're going to come back to that because storytelling, obviously, is a big part of your life. Yes. The other question that came to my mind is, why in the world are these adults making this 12-year-old read scripture after two weeks after becoming a Christian? Is that unusual? With, uh, I, I, well, it is. I haven't heard of others... So quickly being involved in 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 church activity or yeah. church life, let's call it that. But I was very grateful. He's, I'll give you his name. He's he's with the Lord now. He's in heaven. A. E. Huron was his name. So, do you think it was a good idea in retrospect? Absolutely. How's that? Absolutely. Why? Well, because those awarenesses and changes, you know, that they were evident, and mm-hmm. and because time was. Let's call it compressed, like two weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, coming to faith, this decision making, which I found out that's what I had done. It was a mm-hmm. decision. I made yep. a decision for who? A friend I didn't have. Uh, for for what was similar? I, don't know, I was washing my hand. Well, I was washing my hand because of the shame and the guilt and the mm. and the that which was imposed on me. Mm. And uh, this this impact of my speech being impacted or lack of. And um, this washing of hands, which which psychologists will say, well, that's sort of a self-cleansing type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, the word is, hmm, I participated in sin, though it was imposed, but it still needed to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. And it was dealt with over a very short period of time. So you felt clean? Yes. Absolutely. It was, mm-hmm. a, it was an, not only an expression, but a reality. Mm, yeah. And um, so I guess I was then aware of others who may have gone through trauma. It doesn't have to be sexual abuse to be a trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So because of all the things you've gone through, yes, you're more compassionate than maybe the average person. You can identify with people who've gone through trauma. Yes. And how did that outwork in your life going forward from, from 12 those years old? Teen, teenage years. years. Yeah. Um, well, my wife just said to someone the other day, she said, hmm, one of the things I got to love about you, Gavin, was um, you didn't not communicate with any age group. You were you were a good listener. You you got involved. You, uh, you didn't, like, you counted the cost in a realistic way. Um, you know, you can't save everyone. You can't help everyone, can you? You can't mm-hmm. save the world. It's one significant person at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, but she said, I I loved that which you had. And I just said, well, that's what I learned from this little book, this book of wisdom, I call it, of the person of Jesus, both um, speaking about how God works in the world. And, of course, the thing about this book of wisdom called the Bible is it doesn't sanitize life, mm. right? It says it how it is, whereas mm-hmm. we tend to now not be a culture who um, talks about death. You know, mm. funerals are done very quickly, hush, hush out the way. Whereas my parents, if somebody died, 
they'd be in, in the room for a couple of days. You know, the coffin was brought home. Mm. But they didn't run away from pain and they didn't run away from suffering and they didn't run away from death. It was part of the real world. And this book, this amazing mm. book, has a real world agenda going on. And for you personally, Gavin, being compassionate and trying to help people in various situations is a major theme throughout your life. Cert- certainly, I became aware of that's that's what was happening. And look, I, I, I'm far from perfect, and I ought to be more compassionate sometimes. Talk to my wife; she's <laughs> she's the best. Uh, the best. Um, has she pointed out some flaws? In oh your yes, life? <laughs> yes, she had. I, I, Wives are wonderful that way. <laughs> they are. Well, that was part one of Eric Scadabo's conversation with Gavin Bolch, who's sharing his life journey. As we heard, sadly, Gavin had his childhood stolen from him when he was abused for several years, starting when he was only seven years old, and he literally went mute as a response to the trauma. However, the Lord helped Gavin find his voice and began the road to recovery. Next time, we'll hear how God restored Gavin's childhood as an adult through a renewed awareness of creativity and imagination. Also, we'll hear how Gavin helps others find their voice through film and other visual means. All that and more is coming up next time. But before we end today, I just want to let you know that if you can identify with any part of Gavin's story and would like to pray with someone for healing, our prayer line is 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's one 800 Double seven two nine three six. We'd love to pray with you on that number again. One eight hundred double seven two nine three six. Finally, we'll end with a Bible verse that relates to Gavin's story. It's First John chapter one, verse nine, which says, "If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness." That's right. If you are feeling unclean for any reason, God can purify us and make us white as snow. Again, if you'd like to pray with someone about this, our prayer line is one 800 736 Well, until next time, when we'll hear more of Gavin's story and the incredible ways God uses him, I'm Jimmy Colfax encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I started a number of not-for-profits. There's one now still operating in America called Inside Out Global. And um, it just takes, with permission by uh, police or courts that are involved with helping people through their traumas, to do a boot camp in filmmaking. Through a renewed awareness of creativity and imagination, Gavin Bolch had his childhood restored to him after it had been taken away from him as a child. This eventually leads Gavin to help others tell their story through film and other visual means. We'll find out the amazing places this takes him next time. The Story. Just another way vision is helping you look to God daily. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.